Hey guys, how we doing? Welcome to the sesh, late sesh. I gave you a warning in the last one. If you're mad at me being late, that's on you. Okay, don't blame me. That's on you. I gave you a warning. I told you I was busy. I was busy on Friday. Okay, I had to move. I was moving house on Friday. And I also had a piss up to go to. Alright? On Friday night. And then Saturday, I was dusty and had work. So here I am on a Sunday, giving the people what they want. So, you know, you should be grateful. You should be thankful. And if you're not grateful, then that's on you. And you need to look at your own life and your own life choices and find what's going to make you happy and do it. Because, I don't know, let's not get cheesy on that. That's fucking live, laugh, love shit. We're not all about that, mate. We're all about reality. We're all about staying grounded, staying on two feet on earth, ten toes down. And seeing, you know, where that takes us. But uh, what have you just been doing, Matt? I've just been watching UFC 284 main event. Islam Mark G versus Alexander Volkanovsky. And uh, spoilers alert. Spoilers. If you haven't seen it and you want to see it, pause it right now because it's a hell of a fight. And go watch it. But uh, for those of you that have already watched it or could not kill us, Mark Got the decision one. You know. One judge judge gave it fucking four rounds to one like an idiot. It was... The other two gave it three to two. Close fight. Real close fight. Real fucking close fight. Volk did a lot better than what a lot of people thought he was going to do, I reckon. His defensive wrestling was really fucking good. Mark was better on the feet than I thought he was going to be. If you went, if I went into that fight and you told me Volk was going to be that good with his wrestling, I would have said, oh, he's going to fucking win that fight 10 times out of 10. But, yeah, Markachev, like, basically the first two rounds, like, first round, they would have given it to him. I don't know, second round, he controlled him on the ground for a while. So I can see why they gave him that one. First round, he only controlled him for, like, a minute and a half. But he did, he did drop him twice, like, rock, you know, Big connections in the second round, so I can definitely would have given him the second round. First round, like I kind of had Volk winning, but I think if I, I'll go back and look at the cards, but I think basically the way you know the two judges that didn't have their head up their ass scored it is they gave the first two and the fourth round to Markachev because Volk, like he clearly, clearly won the third and the fifth for me. Clearly won the third and the fifth. Markachev clearly won the fourth. I'd say, yeah, Marcus, you probably won the second too, but I had Volk in that first round, man. But it was fucking close, so not a robbery. It is what it is. Our boy Volk got up, bought hard, went out there. Hell of a fight. Marcus, you fucking way better on the feet than I thought he was going to be. You know, those Dagestanis, those Dagestanis, they don't, they don't really tend to move their feet too well, move their hands too well. That's fucking grizzly motherfuckers. But damn, that boy was slick, slick on the counter-strikes, you know, doing his thing, doing his thing out there, going to that American Kickboxing Academy, and fucking learning, but yeah, and yeah, but shout out to both guys, hell of a fight, co-main event, you had Yair Rodriguez, 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 speaker again, complete sidetrack because this has just come to my mind 
Complete sidetrack from the UFC. We'll come back around to the UFC. But Rodriguez. I watched the documentary a couple of weeks ago. Now, some of you may know the singer-songwriter known as Rodriguez. If you don't, he's, you know, he was came out in the 70s. He's been pretty big in this side of the world, New Zealand. You know, you would have heard his songs before. They would have been played everywhere. His main, his biggest hit was probably Sugar Man. Kind of Bob, Bob Dylan-style music, but with, like, even deeper lyrics and his own little twist. You know, his own little style. But anyway, I watched a documentary on him about two weeks ago. Well, it's on YouTube, you can find it, it's called Searching for Sugar Man. And, honestly, hands down, it was one of the best fucking documentaries I think I've ever seen. And it's wild. I'm gonna... I'm gonna give you a, a breakdown on this documentary, because... Fuck me, bro. It was fucking wild. So basically, Rodriguez, you know, Mexican-American guy, living in Detroit, early 70s. He was the kind of juggie, he was a guitar player, he was a singer, he liked to perform in the bars, you know, sort of local guy, grinding away, real eclectic guy, real weird guy, like he, he'd do some quirky things, like he'd perform, uh, just him and his guitar singing, he'd perform, perform facing away from the audience, when he'd be doing his bar shows, so he'd just be like he's just jamming out, and they were just there behind him, but he, Anyway, he got well enough known in the Detroit scene to be able to sign an album deal. And he uh, records his album with some fucking banging, banger songs if you go back and listen to it now. Like, shit still holds up 50 years later. But, uh, including the song, you know, Sugar Man. If you just look up Sugar Man Rodriguez, I guarantee, like, at 90% of you out there would have fucking heard of the song. But anyway, it follows his story about how he recorded his album got absolutely no momentum in America, he recorded a second album, got even less momentum, then got released by his record label, and never put out any music ever again, like this was over like a three year span, in the early 70s, he got two albums, you know, didn't break through, and because that didn't happen, doors shut, never got another opportunity, and no one knows what happened to him. Basically disappeared off the face of the air. Now, little known to Rodriguez, and a lot of these, you know, a lot, pretty much everybody in America in the 70s, somehow, in the middle of apartheid South Africa, you know, somebody, somebody brought this album over there, and it just absolutely blew up. He became the like the most popular artist for like the underground culture in South Africa. Like you know the fucking young people, the rev- you know the young whites that basically didn't like apartheid just loved his fucking music. Basically because like you know it was real real anti-establishment lyrics, just real like fuck the system, fucking you know. These people don't know anything, they're evil, they're ruining human society, you know, all, all that good shit, but spoken in the 70s, and, uh, you know, in South Africa during the time, you, you can you can say that kind of shit in South Africa and be not arrested, basically, not fucked up by the government, so there's this American guy, 
where you know these records are going everywhere with this music j- just fucking clicks with the young people at the time in South Africa and he becomes the absolute one of the biggest music stars in South Africa but here's the kicker they don't know anything about him there is no information there's no internet you don't know anything about this guy you don't know anything about him but anyway I'll leave you there because that's you know, that's basically the first 15 minutes of the documentary. It's an hour and a half documentary. I don't want to spoil it for you because it takes some twists and it takes some fucking turns. And it's just a wild documentary. And it's a crazy story. One of the craziest stories I've ever seen. But anyway, Rodriguez. Yeah, Rodriguez. He bet Josh Emmett for the interim featherweight title at UFC 284 tonight. Today. And he looked dominant. <laughs> So good shout out to Yaya Rodriguez, finally getting your shit together, absolute, you know, I think he's an absolute piece of shit human to be honest, I think he's probably figured his shit out now because he's gone on a bit of a run, he's looking pretty good, well not really a run, he's won two fights and the last one was kind of bullshit and he did look good in this fight before that but it was a decision loss to Holloway, but yeah man, anyway, he's got himself to the to deserve a title shot. He's going to face Volk probably in a few months as long as he's not a bitch about things. Doubt he got hurt. Volk doesn't look like he got hurt. So I reckon they could, what, with February now, I reckon they could turn that one around and put it up, you know, June, July. June, July would be a good time to have that one. But, um, yeah, man. Fucking wild. Didn't watch any other fights. Didn't watch any other fights, so don't at me about them. I didn't really care about them. We are casual. We are educated, casual UFC fans. Alright, I would never say I'm a hardcore. Here's my problem with UFC fans. While we're on this topic. And I voice this concern to a lot of people. If you're a UFC fan, you're listening to this. This is directed at you. This is my problem with you. And this is the problem with UFC that I don't really like. I don't really see in any other sport. Like, people that are UFC fans, they aren't fans of fighters. Like, they try, they try to be fans of the sport first. Like, yeah. Right, let's, I'll compare that to, like, rugby or American football. Like, most people, they enjoy watching, you know, if you're an American football, if you're an NFL fan, you enjoy watching... Like, most NFL games. If you're a UFC fan, you enjoy watching most UFC fights. Obviously, this shit is in there, but it is what it is. But if you're an NFL fan, you're you, first and foremost, you're a fan of a team. And, like, yeah, you can get into analyzing the games and figuring out who's going to win and all that shit. But you're a fan of a team. You, you've got a horse in the race, and you want to win. But with lots of... Most UFC fans, like... They all think, they tr- they act like they're all fucking UFC analysts. They're MMA analysts. That they actually know what the fuck is going on in there. Like, 90% of UFC fans, probably higher. Well, they have no fucking clue. They have no idea what's happening, especially, you know, with the, the punches and the kicks and the heads movement and the sideways and the defense and the footwork and then the grappling and the wrestling and the clinching and the jujitsuing. You know, a lot of these cunts only found out this wasn't gay sex 
published, you know, that was live on international television only about six months ago. A lot of these cunts probably saw this shit of like men wrestling and hugging each other in the under in their underwear in front of a crowd of twenty thousand people and thought, Jesus, that's a bit too homosexual for me. And then they sat down and watched it with their buddies one time who was actually into it and they realized, oh, this is like the most simple, stripped back, basic sport in the world. And that's the other thing, you know. So basically, I'll wrap that point up first, first but I've got another point why I don't like UFC fighters. But first, to sum that up, UFC fighters think they're way smarter than they are and they don't back fighters. Like, yeah, you've got your favorite fighters and all that shit, but like, they go in there thinking that they're analysts and trying to just pick fights and figure out who's going to win. Like, they support who they think's going to win because they they want to be right. And they, they can't, like... So many people I talked to going in this fight were like, oh, I think Islam's going to win. And I'd be like, who do you want to win? And I was like, oh, it's going to be close, but Islam's probably going to do it. And I was like, no, I don't care who you think's going to win. Who do you want to win? And, like, usually after the third or fourth time, they'll probably say Volk, because Alexander Volkanovsky is a fucking lad, and it would have been a great story to see him win. But they're more worried about fucking, you know, thinking that the Luke Thomas out there on, you know, that fucking douchebag out on YouTube, just no fighting experience, never going to have any fighting experience thinking that their opinions actually fucking matter in this sport and have any effect on how things happen at all in that sport. And, you know, and that comes back to my other point, my next point. They, UFC fans just think they're way smarter than they actually are. You know, they think that, you know, because it's mixed martial arts, they think, oh, we're studying this art, this technique, this set of rules, this ancient wisdom passed down through the generations. That's what we're studying. That's what we're watching. And no, you're watching a fucking cage fight. Alright? I'm not too arrogant to admit the reason I watch the UFC is because I like to see people get fucked up. And I like to see people fuck other people up. And that I like to learn about what these guys are like in these interviews and all this YouTube shit because I can then relate to these people and become fans of these people and then root for them through their careers and want them to win. And there's obviously people that are, you know, don't you don't love all of them. There's people that have fucking the personalities of a piece of paper. There's people that are absolute pieces of shit. Cheaters. TJ Dillashaw, for example, absolute pieces of shit. And people with the personalities of a piece of paper, like Robert Whitaker. Great fighter. Boring as fuck. You know? And like, you get these UFC fans that just think, oh, I'm, you know, I'm not a bogan-ass, redneck, fucking, bloodthirsty, testosterone-filled male that wants to see some violence. No, I'm an intellectual that is here to participate in the analysis of some mixed martial arts. Go fuck yourself, if you're that person. Like, just stop being such a smart cunt, you know, switch your brain off, watch the fight for the fight's sake, 
It's, uh, it's different if you're trying to gamble. That's the only time, like, if you really... That's the other thing. If you really think you know shit, put your money where your mouth is. Alright? If you're someone that's into gambling on fights, and you're actually semi-successful, that's completely different, because then you've got evidence and, you know, that you are actually an intellectual thinking man that understands the mixed martial arts, you know, that is a master of the mixed martial arts, if you're that person, but that's only like fucking 5% of you dickheads out there, most of you are just smart cunts, they think they know way more than they're ever going to do, that are too pussy themselves to get in there and fight another human being, so you're going to live vicariously through these athletes, and then try to, you know, break down what they actually do and how certain fighters are going to match up like you actually know what the fuck's going on in there. So anyway, that's my little rant on UFC fighters. Oh, look at me, I've got a Facebook message. Hello, Ed, Edward Skrilla. Oh, for sure, I just think Makachev finally met someone with a build and physical attributes he wasn't stronger than. I was convinced I'd won $80 on Volk. Ooh, Skrilla's actually putting real action on these fights. I thought it was a draw at best with Islam having three rounds and Volk having two, but fifth being close to a 10-8. Oh, I don't agree with that, man. Uh, 10-8 in that fifth. Like, he dominated the last minute. But those those first, like, that, that, that round could have, like, I was about three minutes and 30 seconds into that round, I was I was thinking it was dead even. It was dead even three minutes and 30 seconds in that round. Like, yeah, and that, like, he did technically drop him, but he didn't rock him. Like, he kind of, he caught him with a big shot as he was shooting, so he fell off balance a little bit. I wouldn't call that a full knockdown. So, yeah, it was a clear 10-9, but nowhere near a 10-8, Skrilla. Like, you know. And here I am, just being an absolute hypocrite for the last 30 seconds, acting like I know what the fuck happened. Because really, you know, I don't give a fuck. How the fuck am I going to sit here and tell a UFC judge that I know more about MMA than that gun does? I just, I wanted Volk to win. I felt he was doing a lot better than a lot of people thought he was going to do. So I was giving him some rounds early that he probably didn't deserve. But I was just so excited for how well he was stuffing those takedowns that I was just a little bit biased. But anyway, thanks for the message, Skrilla. I'll reply to you soon. You better actually fucking listen to this episode, you cunt. I know what you're doing. I know what you're doing. Anyway, on to a real sport. Super Bowl. Super Bowl Sunday. It's Super Bowl Sunday. It's Super Bowl Sunday. Everybody, tomorrow is Super Bowl Sunday. And we have the Kansas City Chiefs facing off against the Philadelphia Eagles for the Super Bowl. And again, I'm not a fan of either of these teams. Not particularly a fan of either of these teams, really. I respect both teams, you know. But as you know, this is a Baltimore Ravens podcast. Next year's our year, boys. Keep the faith. So I don't know who the fuck's going to win. I think the Eagles have a better, more well-rounded team. But the fucking Chiefs are Patrick fucking Mahomes. Who can goddamn ball out and win any game by himself. So, I don't know who's going to win. I'm leaning towards the Eagles. I'm not picking it. I think it's going to be a good game. I think if the Chiefs win it, they're going to have to win it close. 
And I think if the Eagles win it, they're going to dominate. I think if it's a close game, Pat Mahomes is just going to be able to will his side to a win. But if I could also see the Eagles' offensive line and defensive line fucking dominating. But yeah, man. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Super Bowl Sunday. It's a, it's a, you know, it's a good institution, the Super Bowl. If you're not a football fan, you should be. You really should be. The Super Bowl is just the greatest sporting event in the world. Greatest annual sporting event in the world. And it's not even because of the sport. It is a symbol, a symbol of the U.S. Empire's materialistic, consumerist domination of the planet, and everything wrong, but also everything fucking amazing, was society all in one. Like, for one, you know, it's a vehicle to get as many eyes in the world watching a television set all at the same time. You know, it's the annually the most watched event of any kind in the world. It's going to get hundreds of millions of people worldwide watching it all simultaneously. And then, you know, and with that comes very lucrative advertising opportunities where massive corporations pay exorbitant amounts of money for just 30 seconds of airtime to be able to brainwash the general public into consuming their useless and waste of time product. It's also a vehicle for whatever pop star or fucking influential musician happens to get the Super Bowl halftime show to then perform their bullshit music and get their bullshit message across to the general population or just straight up advertise for themselves. Granted, last Super Bowl halftime show, pretty fucking good one. Yeah, Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, Eminem, 30 Cent, fucking that that chick, and Kendrick. Anytime you have Kendrick, it's epic. But, yeah, man. But then it's also football. Football, which is the most complicated, jumbled up mess of a sport in the world with so many fucking rules, so many extra players, so much extra fucking predictive gear than there ever fucking needs to be. And so just complication on complication on complication and men that are way too big for their own good and way too fast and way too strong going up against other men that are way too big, way too fast and way too strong that are trying to physically hurt them at every opportunity they get. But it's also the fucking Super Bowl. It's also the time where you get all these corporations who usually give you the same bullshit, boring-ass fucking commercials every day that you just switch off at that are the most fucking boring pieces of shit ever actually put some artistic, creative effort into their commercials so you actually enjoy watching them. And some of them are pretty memorable. Some of them are shit. Some of them are pretty memorable. 
But then it's also a great opportunity for you to get a free concert at a massive stadium with massively high production value from one of the world's fucking biggest and most relevant artists out there. And it's also an opportunity to watch the two best football teams glide for the championship game in a sport which has so much history, so much violence, so much entertainment, and has the best damn athletes on the planet Earth, and they're competing. So yeah, it's a cultural event, it's a cultural institution, the Super Bowl. I'm fucking looking forward to it. I'm going to be on the lookout, like... One thing that's crazy to me looking back now to the last Super Bowl, particularly the Super Bowl ads, is how many crypto ones there were. Well, I've already, you know, if you know, FTX had a big one where they had Larry David and a whole bunch of other celebrities in there, and we know what happened to FTX this year. Crypto.com had a big one. I think pretty much even Binance had a big one. Like, the three fucking biggest at the time, because we know what happened to FTX, but the three biggest crypto exchanges all just fucking poured their money into massive Super Bowl ads. And now those companies are down there fucking completely useless. So that's quite interesting. Quite interesting and entertaining to me. But yeah, man, I'll be there. I'll be there sitting in, sitting my fat ass down in front of a TV, watching that game from beginning to end. Probably have to leave half part way through the second half because I'll have work, so... Honestly, I hope it's not a close game because I'll fucking hate myself if it's like a real close game with a quarter to go and I have to leave and go to work. But we'll see. That is what it is. Like, you know, it happens on a Monday afternoon our time, so what am I going to do? Not work on a Monday afternoon like a fucking piece of shit? No. Bill's got to, you know, bill's got to be paid. Money's got to be brought in. You know, I'm not just, you know, I've got a cat to support. I can't just be selfish. I've got to really work hard to support and put food on the table for my loved one, alright, so I can't be sitting around fucking watching fairy tale games all Monday afternoon, I'll watch it for most of Monday afternoon, but not all of Monday afternoon, but yeah, yeah man, damn right son, fucking, You know what I think it's time for? I think we've reached the halfway point of this episode. And I think it's time for a smoke break. Ladies and gentlemen, how you doing? How's your family? I hope you're doing well. I hope you're doing well on this, I think it's what, the 12th of February, 2023. Two days away from Valentine's Day. I hope you guys are out there loving yourselves. Really looking out for yourselves, not needing validation from any other human beings. And just being there for yourselves and being your own fucking valentine. Be your own valentine. Fuck these bitches. We don't need these bitches. Get out there. Be your own goddamn valentine. Alright? Alright. And take that sweet, sweet nectar of that marijuana flower. Deep into your lungs if you haven't already. But yeah, man. I thought I'd take this opportunity to discuss some future plans. 
with you, my audience, with you, my loyal listeners. And just, you know, spitball some ideas. I think, you know, because as I mentioned in the last episode, and if you've been following along, finally moved, finally got decent place, decent size place out, you know, out of the parents' house. No longer a 26-year-old piece of shit stuck at his parents' house. Got a house. Got Ralsty in there at the moment. We're living up large. And so, this whole run of just getting high and rambling in my car, I think it's going to come to an end, man. I think the concept, the concept of the sesh wagon, a great idea. The practicality of uh, getting high in my car every other day and yelling into my phone in random public places just doesn't feel like the best creative way to produce a podcast. So, you know, and I feel like things, you know, you got to adapt or die. Adapt or die in this world. Yeah, if you keep doing things the same way every time, you don't mix things up, you keep the same approach, to everything you do in life, shit's going to fail. So you got to be willing to try new things. And we're going to start trying new things. We're going to start trying new things from the next episode. You know, I've been brainstorming a couple of names. I'm going to lock one down in the next couple of days. And we'll be making that live on our social media, on our Twitter, and all that jazz. Going out to the people. Really just, yeah... And basically the content's going to be, it's still going to be your boy. He's still going to be getting pretty high. But I think we're going to be basically moving from a mobile podcast studio in this beautiful 1999 Honda station wagon into the bedroom studio. Into the bedroom setup. And we're basically going to be getting high in our bedroom. And absolutely ranting and raving about every goddamn thing we've been ranting and raving about on this ESC Wagon podcast. But with more flexibility, with more technology, with better resources, better opportunities, you know, better production value, better planning, better resources, just better fucking everything. And I do that for the people. I do that for you. I do that for me, really. I'm not going to sugarcoat that. I just, I want to make this podcast as good as possible purely for me so I can be successful and I can do well. But I want to kind of do it for the people. I want to bring the people together. You know, if you're some crazy cunt that's willing to listen to this, then I care about you. Probably because I know you. But, um, yeah. So big changes coming to the sesh. It's not even going to be called the sesh. I'll keep that, you know, well, you'll find out soon enough what it's going to be called, but it's exciting, like, you know, we're going to be able to pull up the computer, get some, get some research going, get a bit more planning, be a bit more current events focused, and really fucking take this thing to the next level, we may even go longer, 
Maybe really start pumping out the length of these episodes. Start pushing it, pushing it towards an hour. I think that's where we need to go. Really start pushing this thing towards an hour, an hour length podcast. And just seeing where that takes us. Seeing how that's going to really affect how we go. But anyway, if you want to see me in person, I'm going to be at the uh, Good Times Comedy Club. Performing on Wednesday this week. Don't get don't get too eat yourself. It's still another open mic. We're not pro yet. Fucking calm down. But uh, if you want to come down and watch, come down and watch. I'm pretty excited about some of the material I'm going to be trying out this week. I think it's going to be pretty, 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 pretty tidy. Some pretty good stuff. Pretty good stuff going on. And yeah, man. Yeah, fam. We're making moves. Thoughts and prayers to those dealing with the cyclone that's about to hit this country and fucking soak it up north for a couple of days. Eventually going to get here and make things very wet in the next few days, so... You know, stay safe if you're out there. Stay safe if you're in a vulnerable position. Look after your loved ones. Look after your family members. And I'll just see you guys in a couple of days. Live from the bedroom. Live from where you'd rather be. Love you guys. Mwah. See you next time.